Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Phil Smith, a.k.a. Phil the Filipino. And always, I am joined by the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire, my good friend, James Johnson. Jay, good to have you back and excited to get into our really, really interesting topic today that we uh, came across uh, on Jaguar Twitter. And we've altered it just a little bit, but I know we're super excited to talk about it. Yeah, man, glad to be back, man, as, um, you know, the fans have been very receptive of, you know, the podcast, so shout outs to them, and thank you for every listen that you give us, and yeah, this is kind of, you know, paying homage to them, you know, taking one of their topics from Twitter and flipping it around, you know, putting our own little twist on it, and, uh, you know, making it a podcast topic that, uh, you know, I, I think we'll give them some good content out of, so yeah, I can't wait to get going. Absolutely. If if anything, Jaguar Twitter is reliable for it's giving us content to speak about. So thank you guys for doing that for us in these you know difficult times. Of course, we're all adjusting. Of course, we all hope that you are safe, happy, and healthy at home. Or if you're slowly returning to society, you know, just be careful out there and and practice that social distancing. Wear a mask when you have to. You know, just for everybody's sake. And we're going to get through this thing together. And I'm I'm excited to hopefully. You know, get together with with some of you guys here when when the football season starts, and we'll actually get into a little bit of the NFL trying to re- resume, uh, at least, or g- try to get back to a little bit of uh, normal life here in just a moment. But before we continue, we want to make sure that if you do enjoy the show, please go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and also give us a review. Shout out to everybody that has done that so far; it really means a lot, and it is a great, great way to support the show. We're also available on your favorite directories, as I mentioned, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. So Jay, let's get into this week's topics here. We're going to get a couple of news stories out of the way. The first one is the one that I alluded to here just a moment ago. The league has given all 32 teams the nod to open all of their facilities um, as far as long as their local laws permit that to happen. However, the Jaguars won't be one of the teams jumping on the offer quite yet. However, they are going to get back to limited operations next week on Tuesday, May 26th. So, Jay, you put this article out uh, here on the Jaguars wire. You want to go over some of the, I guess, the more important details of when the Jaguars are going to get back to work at the stadium. Yeah. So yeah, this is, uh, if my calculations is right, this will mark uh, next Tuesday that they'll get back to work. Of course, it'll come with its limit, uh, with its limitations. Um, of course, everybody won't be allowed to be at the facility at the same time. Uh, I know the limit, if I can recall, let me look it up real quick here. Yeah. So the, uh, for partial operations, they can only have a maximum of 75 employees uh, in the building at the same time or at the facility at the same time. And no more than 50% of the JAG staff will be allowed there. The key thing I think to be, to keep in mind here is the fact that the coaches won't be allowed there until, you know, the NFL gives the, every team the okay to, you know, to basically get operations going or the local officials do. So coaches won't be allowed. Um, only players that need to rehab will be the ones allowed to come and meet trainers, of course. Um, and I guess uh, the Jaguars will also be following several safety protocols. Of course, I mean, that, you know, that goes without saying, you know, you want to keep the people that do come in safe. Uh, they'll have added signage. Uh, they'll be doing education about respiratory etiquette and hand cleansing. They'll have four floor markings as well, kind of like you see in your local grocery stores and your local shopping malls or whatever may be open in your local areas. Um, and they'll also encourage social distancing. And I did see this actual uh, video by Ian Rappaport 
on NFL Network where the Jaguars were testing out these. It was either masks or um, face shields at their facility. And I think they were like the first team in the NFL to do so. And, um, you know, I think they will be implementing those, too, as well. So the Jaguars kind of broke the mold there in terms of, um, you know, protection and and the PPE uh, that other teams may end up using as well. So there's that as well. So, like I said, not quite getting back to 100% operations, but still, nonetheless, it is uh, pretty good to see things get trending in the right direction. Right. It's going to be very interesting to see how things pan out, of course, as you mentioned, until all 32 teams are able to return. The coaches cannot be in the building, which I think is understandable. Of course, you don't want to give one team an advantage over another. However, I, I just can't help but think, you know, maybe we're rushing back to this thing in the interest of, you know, like, as you mentioned, all these billionaires being able to, you know, protect their bottom line. But that being said, that this is the world that we live in. And I I certainly understand people wanting to try and get back to normal. I'm just worried as as you and I are both in positions where, you know, we know people that are high risk, uh, myself included, as I am an asthmatic, as well as have some respiratory issues. You know, I, I just want things to be as safe as possible. But, you know, I do definitely understand us wanting to get back to, uh, you know, where we have, you know, live sports, hopefully come the fall. And and we'll continue to be optimistic about that until something tells us otherwise. So moving on to the next bit of news here, Chris Thompson has officially been on the roster for over a week, but his deal has finally been disclosed as expected. It's a pretty team friendly deal here, Jay, that will keep him as a Jaguar for at least a year with a base salary of one point oh five million with a salary bonus of 250000 and a roster bonus of 100000 So, you know, a lot of people were cautiously optimistic about this signing. However, they are worried about him staying healthy, which I think this deal reflects. So, Jay, what do you think about Chris Thompson being here on what seems to be kind of a, I guess, a, a lower-end prove-it deal, but also, you know, giving him the opportunity to hopefully make an impact on the team, and we definitely hope that he's able to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad deal at all by uh, Chris Thompson. Um, and he's a guy that, you know, again, going back to what I said on last podcast, very familiar with Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden um, believes in him very much. So uh, he he said that himself, actually, in the presser that he did this week with uh, the local media. And uh, he said, you know, that's part of the reason why he's here as well. Like he came here and he said the Jags had actually been uh, talking to him since the beginning of free agency. But due to like some injury concerns and and the limitations of uh, the coronavirus, you know, he didn't really get into uh, this point or the point of signing until now. So um, either way, glad to have him. Pretty cheap deal. You know, if he uh, balls out and improves what we saw in Washington as a passing threat, I think, you know, they could probably uh, extend him on another like two year deal or something next year or whatever the case may be. Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, certainly not a bad deal uh, by any means. And as I mentioned before, we certainly hope he's able to make that kind of impact and also stay healthy because I, I think based on what we, we were able to see when he was with Washington, you know, he was definitely able to contribute quite a bit and he was a good player. And I, I just, I know I, I echo those sen- these sentiments for you as well, Jay, definitely hope that he's able to stay healthy and, and stick around and, and prove himself, I guess is, is, you know, just the bottom line. So we'll see what happens that as far I'll as Chris Tom. Um, you know, like I think like what we should expect again, like and you make a good point if he's healthy. I think what we should expect out of him is to maybe for him to feel that Corey Grant type of role that we saw the Jaguars at least trying to get to with Corey Grant before they let him go. So, yeah, I think kind of that mold of Corey Grant, that passing threat, uh, that guy that could cause mismatches, mismatches out of the backfield. And, uh, you know, he's just a guy that could bring an extra element for Gardner Minshew who, as we know, you know, is a, a young quarterback trying to find his way at the moment. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about some of these players here in just a moment with this uh, really, really interesting topic. I think that's going to cause up. Uh, it's it's definitely going to generate discussion, I guess, is the way that I'll put it here. So, Jay, let's get into that with our main topic here. So, Jay, people may be sitting at home right now wishing that there were more things they were able to do. Well, we have something to tell them about that may offer the solution they're looking for. Yep. For those of you sitting at home, like most of us, you can still enjoy betting on betonline.ag. With the NBA, NHL, and NLB all on hiatus, you may think there's nothing to bet on, but that's not true. Yeah, we also have NASCAR returning. The UFC is up and running. And esports are also on ESPN almost daily. 
Yeah, and also coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex Chicago Bulls star Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, Craig Hodges, and Ron Harper all joining to discuss MJ's new documentary on ESPN, what is being called The Final Dance. So there's still a lot of fun to be had. So go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use promo code MYPOD100. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. So we saw this topic floating around on Jaguars Twitter over the weekend, Jay, and it was along the lines of how fans feel about the current roster. So we decided to switch it up just a little bit. Now, some of these we did keep, but for the most part, it is a little bit of a uh, change from what was uh, you guys may have from what you guys may have seen on Twitter. So these are the topics that we're going to discuss here with this week's episode. So we're going to discuss who we feel is most likely to underperform or fall short of expectations who we think is the best player on the team, the best new addition to the team, who we think is most likely to take a big leap forward, and who do we believe is on a prove-it year for the team. So, Jay, I know we uh, we discussed the names that we're going to be bringing up here, and as I mentioned, I think this definitely will generate a discussion, and we would really love to hear from you guys. I'll put up a poll or a, uh, a Twitter post here online once this episode comes out, because we want to hear back from you guys. Who do you think belong on this list and how does it differentiate from what Jay and I are going to have here? So Jay, I'm going to let you go first. We'll start with most likely to underperform or fall short of expectations. Who do you have as the first player we'll talk about on this list? Yeah, this one won't really surprise anybody, but I mean, I do have some surprises throughout the uh, the rest of the questions, but I went with Leonard Fournette for a multitude of reasons. And again, um, just going back, to what me and Phil have said in the past, like this is not even necessarily me and Phil uh, doubting Leonard Fournette. We think he's a great guy and we think he does have potential as well. And we we think, uh, you know, he could fulfill that potential, uh, but it's just a matter of it translating on the field. But for me, the reason that I went with Leonard Fournette for this particular category is because the bar is just set so high, which is something me and Phil, again, talked about in the past. The bar is just set so high for him and where he was drafted as a fifth round or a fourth round pick. So as a top five pick, you know, it's it's going to be hard for him anyway, especially as a running back to to really prove that he was worth that, that spot anyway, especially at a position where, you know, typically in the modern age, you shouldn't take running backs in the first round, let alone that high. You know, I mean, I can understand maybe you getting a, a running back in the 20s or something like that, but. You know, I guess in a nutshell, what I'm saying is like the Jaguars kind of just in a way set him up for failure because by taking a running back that high, you know, chances are he probably won't fulfill those expectations. And again, you know, going back to the Tom Coughlin era, the second Tom Coughlin era, should I say, when he was actually like in the front office alone solely uh, with Dave Caldwell and the rest of the people, you know, maybe it was just more his doing than Dave Caldwell's doing, which is what me and Phil have kind of echoed all alone so that was one reason I went with him um another thing and another reason I went with Fournette is because of the pandemic and it's cutting into basically the time that you know these teams could have on the film or on the field right now and it could further cut into that we don't know if they will be able to get back on the field anytime soon you know as we said earlier you know they're trending in that direction they're trying to get to that direction but look players that are healthy can't even get in the building yet you know coaches can't get in the building yet uh, it's, it's limited people that can get in the building right now, you know, and, you know, these players work out at their own discretion. And, you know, I'm not saying Leonard Fournette is not doing the work and putting in the work. Uh, but that being said, like just getting on the field and, and doing this stuff and pads and, and what have you, it's just a different feel to it. So, you know, that conditioning, you know, could be an issue. Um, Who knows? But that being said, you know, it's just when he gets on the field, man, I, I think like the, the time that he's missed, could just put him a little bit behind as well. That kind of concerns me personally. So that's another reason. Uh, and, and then when you look at how Jay Gruden operates his offenses, you know, like while AP, you know, did have a little success with Jay Gruden there and, you know, some others have as well. I don't think Jay Gruden necessarily utilizes the running back position the way in which 
Leonard Fournette, like, I guess that's the way to put it. You know, I think he may pass the ball a little bit more than Leonard Fournette will like, and that's, that might cause some friction, this, that, and the other. So, you know, I don't know if he can reach the numbers that he got last year, but I guess time will tell on that. But, you know, who's to say he's going to reach career numbers or close to it? You know, I kind of have a hard time seeing him reach the figures he had last year from that perspective as well. And I think, you know, as I said in the past, I think in the end, I think the Jaguars will end up parting ways with Lindo Fournette after the 2020 season. And um, all of those things could be a reason why they do so. And, uh, you know, they let him go on about his way and, and just find a new team and, and uh, you know, find a, a breath of fresh air, so to speak. Yeah, I'm with you on all of that there as far as Leonard. And I think barring some kind of historic season, <laughs> like if he breaks some kind of record or maybe even if he's like the rushing leader, you know, for the for the single season rushing leader, then maybe they have that discussion. But I definitely think that he needs a fresh start somewhere else. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up somewhere like New Orleans, you know, to end up somewhere closer to home and be a part of that organization. Wouldn't that be ironic with him if he were to end up playing with Alvin Kamara, who who was a guy that Jay wanted here for so long leading up into that draft? Um, for those of you who have been with us for a long time, you know that Jay really harped on that pick and wanting him to be here. But of course, they went a different route very early on in the draft. And he's just a guy who never lived up to other guys recently who have been taken in the spot when you look at Christian McCaffrey, of course, when you look at Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, he's not one of those guys. He's not even close to any of those three. Those are three of the top running backs in the league, top 10, top five, probably. And Leonard Fournette's not anywhere near that. And he's a good player. But he most likely, just like 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 you said there, Jay, needs to move on and, and just find a, a fresh start for the for, for him and for the next step of his career. But we'll, you know, definitely hope that he uh, he's able to figure that out and obviously hope that he has a good season here. So moving on to who my pick will be here as far as who I feel like is most likely to underperform and fall short. And this is, I guess, where the conversation will start with this episode here, Jay, because I went with Gardner Minshew and I know I've been I've been pretty much critical of every Jaguar quarterback we've had in the 2000s. And for good reason, of course, a lot of them and, and most of them have disappointed us with the exception of Gardner, who, of course, came in when uh, he probably wasn't expecting to and was thrust into this position where he actually performed pretty well. And I definitely am not trying to downgrade or undersell what he was able to do. I mean, 21 touchdowns to six interceptions is pretty dang good. However, I think what's lost in there is some of those games in which he played very, very poorly. And some of the games that we did win but against subpar competition in which he didn't play very well. And those are games I'm talking about, like in like Denver, at least for the first three quarters, Cincinnati, uh, we were actually losing to a winless team. I think in the fourth quarter played poorly against Tampa Bay, um, played poorly against a bad Atlanta team. And of course, you know, the Kansas city game that was, you know, the, everybody got, got rolled by them. But, you know, some of these games where, where you look at where he's performing, Against New Orleans, 14 for 29, 163 yards. Uh, even against Cincinnati, 15 to 32. Now he did end up throwing for 255 yards and a touchdown. That was solid. Had one of his better games against the Jets. Really, really good. The London game, of course, is where he went 27 to 47, 309 and two interceptions. That's when, after that week, he relinquished the job to Nick Foles. Now, whether or not you think that was the right move, you know, that's neither here nor there. We've come and gone from that decision. Um, some of just some of these games, the, of course, the, the chargers just have their way with us no matter what, but that was a blowout loss. I'm just worried. And, and this is one of the reasonings you brought up about Leonard Fournette as well. He's going to be learning a new offense with Jay Gruden. And, you know, we've drawn comparisons with Gardner to Andy Dalton quite a bit. And we think they're very similar in terms of their play style and their ability. And maybe Jay Gruden will be able to know how to take advantage of that. I really hope that's the case. And I think I've already said this before, Jay. I hope I'm wrong about Gardner Minshew. I really do. However, I, I think his ceiling, I think we've seen his ceiling, actually, is what I'm trying to say. And we've also seen his floor, which can be pretty bad. And I, I just think that if the season goes the way that I think it's going to go, and the Jaguars are not going to be very good, 
that's going to cost the job of Doug Marone and most likely Dave Caldwell if if these things if things don't go the way that I think go if things go the way that I think they're going to go and this new coach this new regime they're going to want their own guy and that guy is probably not going to be a 6 round draft pick you know from the previous regime and, and, and again just like Leonard Fournette barring some kind of really really great season if this season is an overwhelming success and the Jaguars sneak into the playoffs where they go 8 and 8 and Minshew has this great year fantastic go forward with him and then you know we'll just see what happens after that I, I just don't see it. He gave us a lot of really exciting moments. Yes, against the Denver game, um, the Oakland game. Of course, those ones stand out. And then uh, just how I, I just mentioned a second ago, even in getting the Kansas City game. I mean, come on, 22 or 25 for 275 and two touchdowns in your first NFL game. That's unheard of. <laughs> he, he did amazing for a, for a guy to be put in that position. However, I think we've seen the best of Gardner Minshew, and I don't know that that is going to be enough to be the franchise quarterback of an NFL team. So Jay, I would really like to hear what you have to say about all that and about that choice as far as Gardner Minshew. Yeah, that one's certainly going to ruffle some feathers there for sure. And, um, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm with you uh, to a degree on a lot of that stuff, man. Uh, you know, in terms of what I think Gardner Minshew will be this season, you know, I'm kind of 50-50 on it because like you said, like you brought up a good point, there is times where I, I turn on the film and, you know, I see what he did against the Tennessee Titans week four. And it's like, OK, this guy looks pretty legit. And then there's times where I turn on turn on the film as well, that Saints game. And I look at teams that, you know, can play him like the Saints and keep him in the confines of the pocket. And it's like, you know, this guy does certainly need to prove himself because at the end of the day, you know, if he can't beat those teams, you know, essentially what you got, you really do have a case of Andy Dalton there. And you really have a a reincarnation of the Cincinnati Bengals under Marvin Lewis in the sense that I say that in a sense, basically, that you got a team that has a quarterback that can get them to the postseason. But when it comes to the elite teams, can he beat those teams, those teams that can keep you in the confines of the pocket that have, you know, these uh cornerbacks that play you a little bit more tighter, uh, this, that, and the other. And if so, you know, if that is what they have in Gardner Minshew, then the Jacksonville Jaguars probably need to get a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields because, I mean, you you don't play the game to just make the postseason. You also have to make progress in the postseason as well. So that's why I say I'm, I'm 50-50 on Minshew. So, you know, he could be a very good quarterback or he could be a bad one. But I think what my advice to fans is, especially the ones that are probably like just about to blow a gasket right now, over what Phil has said is like what would help with him is if you approach this season with the mindset of a journalist like me and Phil. And what I mean by that is just going to the season and I can't tell nobody what to do, but I'm just saying you can save yourself a lot of heartache with Gardner Minshew. If you go into this situation open, open in a sense. And I had this conversation with Viz, shout out to Viz, who we're going to answer one of his questions. Going to this open as a fan, open that Gardner Minshew could be the guy. But at the same time, you also have to be open when you look at that Saints film and you look at the film against the Philadelphia Eagles, open that he could fall flat on his face too. That way you don't set your way yourself up for disappointment. It's as simple as that. Go to the season open with the mindset that he could be very good or very bad. Because if you're just looking at one and not looking at the other, clearly, you know what I'm saying? You haven't been evaluating the quarterback position well enough and you didn't watch him well enough last year. If you're just going into this with a mindset, just you just feel like and you just know in your heart that he's the guy or you feel like or know that he's just going to fall flat on his face. You know, he could go either way or go to either side of the spectrum. And that's basically how I'm going to approach this season is going into an open that he can lead us to Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence. And I'm open that, you know, he can actually look like a top 12 quarterback. And that's the gauge that I put on him. He has to look like a top 12 quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars not to go and get one of those guys next year or the next regime to go get one of those guys next year. That's a very good point, Jay. Like he's got to be a top tier guy. If you're going to pass up on a talent like Trevor Lawrence and, a guy who we think, you know, and him being the guy that we think he's going to be, or even Justin Fields, then he better be a top 10, top 12 quarterback because you have the opportunity to possibly snag one of those guys in next year's draft. 
especially with all the draft capital that they've collected over the last couple of months, then you may find yourself in a position to move up and go get the guy that you want. Then yeah, he's got to be, he's got to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league if, if for them to make this decision, because one of the future best quarterbacks of the league may be available here very, very shortly. So with that being said, let's move on to the next topic here, Jay. And I think we have pretty much the same pick for this one and it's the best player. So I'll let you go on that one first. So who do you believe is the best player on the current roster? So yeah, for uh, the best player, and I know he's a rookie as well as Minshew as well. I went with Josh Allen. And the reason I went with Josh Allen is, uh, you know, unlike Minshew, like uh, the the film that he put together for the most part, you know, you know, he had rookie moments, of course, all rookies do, but you know, the the film that he put up to me is kind of undisputable, indisputable, if you will. Uh, he's a guy that like, you know, if you look at the success that Josh Allen had last year, a lot of that was for the most part, especially for a rookie, you have to have, you know, think that he was playing off of raw ability for the most part. And yeah, of course, you know, it's some thought going into what he's doing, of course, as well. But, you know, as he gets older and gets more experience, he'll start to process the game a little bit more and it, it won't be so much about ability. Uh, but then, you know, the, the mental side of things will start to kick in. And that's that's very crucial for uh, the defensive end position or the outside linebacker position. So I think like, you know, he's going to develop more moves. He's going to figure out how to set up linemen to put them where he wants them to be uh, this, that and the other. I just think in time, man, like when he just gets to that stage where it's more than just raw ability. And he said this himself, you know. He's going to be a monster. So I think the best is yet to come. You know, here's a guy that, you know, I guess you can't really put a lot into Pro Bowl nods, but, you know, he, he's a guy that truly earned his Pro Bowl nod as a rookie and, you know, set a rookie record for the Jacksonville Jaguars with the most sacks as a rookie. He beat out Yannick Ngakwe and did it with double-digit figures at that one, 10.5. So that's very alarming. And, um, you know, he's a guy I also feel as though when you look into, you know, how the team is now. You know, Yannick is probably not coming back, we'd assume. Uh, I think Josh Allen knows that he's the future of this team. And I think that Josh Allen looks at a guy like Aaron Donald and, and Von Miller, per se. And he looks at not only the money they're making, but he looks at what they mean to their team and what they mean to their franchise. And he probably wants to be that. And you can see that and you can feel it when you look at, for example, when Josh Allen did the conference call with uh, Kalevon Chasen. Josh Allen felt like the rookie uh, or felt like a a leader of this Jacksonville Jaguars team, talking to Chase Son, encouraging him, telling him, like, you're a good player, uh, this, that, and the other. Me and you are the future of this team. It felt like this defense already belongs to Josh Allen. So I think he looks at guys like Von Miller and Aaron Donald, and he see that the not only the leadership they bring, but the money that he can make. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't going to keep them. They'll let them go like they did Yannick or they'll let them go like they did Calais and Boye and so on and so forth. And my, my comeback to that is this. I think Josh Allen is so talented that he has the potential to be those guys in the end. And at that point, when you produce at the level that they have produced, it's indisputable that you should get paid. So therefore, I think the Jag- Jacksonville Jaguars will probably end up paying him in three more years if he is. Uh, what I think he is. And and what I mean by that is like, you know, Yannick Ngakwe, for example, wants $22 million per year, right? The Jacksonville Jaguars could easily say like, hey, you're not Aaron Donald. You're not Von Miller. You're not this guy. You're not that guy. You're not the other. But I think in three more years at the rate Josh Allen is going, he will be the top guy at his position. And you won't have anything to dispute with him. If he wants top dollar, you're not going to have a choice but to give him top dollar. And therefore, you know, and especially with the Jaguar situation where the salary cap is looking better in the future, therefore, I think they would pay him in the end. So uh, that's basically in a nutshell why I think that Josh Allen is the best player on this team and will be in the future. Yeah, there's not much left to say there, Jay. There's not too much you can really add on. I mean, First of all, for us to have gotten him and him to fall to us was a miracle in and of itself. And maybe uh, even more of a blessing of disgu- in disguise with now that, uh, of course, Calais Campbell being gone. And we, of course, expect Yannick to be gone eventually as well. Jay, we were talking about this before we got started. We like how uh, most of the linebackers all have uh, numbers in the 40s. So, you know, so the, the 40 gang with him, Joe Schobert, as well as 
uh, Leon Jacobs and Caleb on chase on all taking numbers in the 40. So that's, I, I think that's pretty dope. So I I'm very excited to see what was next for Josh Allen. And, and I want to get your opinion on this here as well, Jay, before we move on to our next player, to the next players we're going to discuss. So Nick Bosa, of course, won rookie of the year last year. Now he had less sacks than Josh Allen did. Josh Allen finished with 10 and a half and Nick Bosa finished with nine. Why do you believe that it was him that won rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year over Josh Allen? Do you think it had pretty much everything to do with the success of San Francisco? That and I believe it's simply a popularity contest because you look at it, not only did Josh Allen, and it wouldn't buy much, but not only did Josh Allen get uh, more sacks than Nick Bosa, and I can't remember the exact figures, but I looked it up on um, Pro Football Reference. Uh, Bosa got significantly more snaps than Allen. So for him to get more sacks than him, despite, you know, getting 100 to 50 less snaps than him, and not being a starter, by the way, Nick Bosa started more games than Josh Allen was, too. So, you know, Bosa beat him in that ratio, too. Um, I, I, I think the people that did the voting on this thing couldn't have looked at, you know, that those those two elements that, you know, Josh Allen was able to outdo him in sacks despite seeing the field less. And, you know, from that perspective, man, like I don't understand like and this is not even biased, but I don't understand like how Josh Allen didn't win. Uh, the defensive rookie of the year award. But look, that's neither here nor there because if he becomes what, like I said, I think he can become, eventually Josh Allen will be a guy that you're going to see as one of the faces, not necessarily the face, but one of the faces of the NFL. All very, very good points there. And uh, I definitely agree with you on, on that as far as it being a popularity contest. Of course, San Francisco being one of the NFL's marquee franchises and Jacksonville, you know, just of course, not being that whatsoever. So we'll move on to the next topic here, which is best new addition. I think we have different names here, Jay. So who do you got? Best new addition for this Jaguar team? Yeah, I went with, uh, this is going to be one of my surprises. I went with Devon Hamilton. And I think Devon Hamilton is going to have a very, very good year, personally. Um, You know, I guess it's still up for debate if he'll start. You know, Al Woods could start at nose tackle, but at the same time, Al Woods is the oldest player on this team, uh, 32 years of age or 33, if I'm not mistaken. And well, with Hamilton, though, my thing is like when I just pop on the film, like the more and more I'm enamored with him and the more and more I like him. I already, you know, liked him going into the combine or after the combine. Me and you talked about that on the um, evaluation podcast, or we will talk about that on the evaluation part of the um the day three picks. I think we might've did that one already. Yeah, we did. So uh, yeah, that being said, you know, he's a guy that like, he's not just your typical nose tackle. That's what fascinates me about him. You know, he's not just a guy that can eat double teams. You know, he's a guy that does offer something as a pass rusher. You know, he is a guy that's a little bit fleet footed, if you will, for his size, you know, he's not your typical athlete, for a man that's 6'4 and 320 pounds. And I think, you know, he could be a guy that could really, really anchor this defense. Now, look, if they truly use a 3-4, he's not going to really have these eye-popping stats as a nose tackle in a 3-4 defense. Uh, But nonetheless, it's the things that you don't see with nose tackles that really, really get them paid. And I think he could be one of those guys that's not just eating double teams and freeing up Josh Allen. But I think he's also a guy that, you know, you could you could see him in the backfield at times, you know, as well, along with Josh Allen. And, uh, you know, he's just a guy that, you know, I guess I'm just kind of high on just from um, the upside that I think he has. And, um, yeah, I I guess ultimately time will tell what we get out of him. Uh, But I think he'll be that new addition. I think he'll have a think of a like a pot roast type of season when we had Terrence Knight, you know, Terrence Knight didn't necessarily light up the scoreboard when in his rookie season. However, you know, he was making it was always these plays that when you pop on the film of Pot Roast, oh, he's in the backfield here. He's in the backfield there. And it was always these little plays, the little things that you miss with Terrence Knight and that, you know, albeit he didn't fulfill his upside and be the player that we thought he would be. But early in his career, he looked like he was going to be a very good player. And I think we could see a similar season out of Von Hamilton as well. Certainly very excited to see what Hamilton is able to do in his first year. And I didn't go with a rookie because, you know, there sometimes it, it does take them a little bit of time to get going. But 
given the fact that, you know, we're heading into this more of a three, four style defense and, you know, the kind of rotation that they're looking to use as far as the defensive line, I definitely hear what you're saying there, Jay, as far as Devon Hamilton, I, I think he has the potential to definitely be a, a little bit of a, you know, a breakout star here in Jacksonville. And that's a really good, uh, really good comparison when you talk about pot roast and um, in the days of, you know, when Terrence Knighton uh, was here, man, those were, those were interesting times. But as far as my pick for best new addition, I went with Pro Bowl Joe, which is, of course, Joe Schobert, who we brought over from the Cleveland Browns. Now, I- I'm going to be honest with you guys. OK, as far as the Jaguars wire goes, we read these comments. OK, we know what's going on in your heads. We know we we see everything. All right. We know what's going on over on the website. And a lot of people kind of dismiss this very, very big signing as as nothing kind of a throwaway but it's not joe schobert is a former pro bowler and you know like like jay said as far as pro bowl appearances you know with josh allen you know you can kind of throw those out the door but still he is a pro bowl caliber player i guess you'll see is the way that i'm 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 looking at it you know as far as his his consistency he's played all 16 games uh three out of his four uh four seasons there in cleveland and the game the season that he did miss or he was not able to play 16. He still played 13 games and still amassed 103 tackles. Uh, last year, played very, very well. Had four interceptions for a linebacker. Jay, I was looking back at this article you put up back in April about why he chose the Jaguars. You know, one of the big things, of course, bringing him in to be the Mike linebacker and take that position away from Miles Jack, I think is probably the the biggest impact he's going to have right away. I think he's going to be a good locker room guy. I think he's going to be a good leader to team up with those guys, as we already mentioned, Miles Jack. Leon Jacobs, Kayla Vaughn, uh, Josh Allen. I think it's, I think the core of this team is going to be very, very good as far as the defensive line and the linebacking core. Very, very excited to see what he does. And I think fans that maybe don't know really too much about Joe are going to be very surprised. Of course, it's going to be natural for the people to try and draw a comparison to Paul Puzlesny. And, you know, maybe you need like, I, I actually, I'm not maybe, you do need a guy like that to anchor the defense and to kind of be the leader. And I think Joe has the ability to do that. And him knowing that Dave Caldwell and the coaching staff wanted him here so badly, I think that's going to go a very, very long way. So I went with Joe Shorbert as the best new addition because I honestly, Jay, am just very, very excited to see what he's able to do. Yeah, I think he's going to make a, a world of difference, too, um, to be honest with you, because look, man, and I'm, I was one of Puzz's harshest critics. But at the same time, I understand what Puzz meant to this defense. And for every bad angle and for every struggle and coverage that Puzz had, make no mistake about it. When he left that locker room, not only was his leadership missed, but it was parts of his game that was missed on the field too. Uh, you know, notably the Jaguars' ability against the run. And, you know, Schobert is a guy that, you know, can offer you something there in that department. And like me and Phil has said in the past, he's a little bit better in coverage than Puzz Lusney. Now, we're not out here saying that he's Bobby Wagner or anything like that in terms of coverage, but He's certainly a upgrade, and he's, again, like Phil said, he's somebody who knows what he's doing at the middle linebacker position, which was the issue with Miles Jack, and part of the reason he came here was to play alongside a beast like Miles Jack, and they'll both be the middle linebackers for this defense. Uh, that's barren. They go with a 3-4 like they say they are. So, you know, he puts Miles Jack in a better position where he'll do all the thinking, he'll get everybody lined up and let Miles Jack play as freely as he wants, which is when Miles Jack plays his best. You know, we, we saw that in the past or at least before the 2019 season. You know, when Miles Jack could just go out there and hit somebody, that's when he's his best. So those two together, they're going to be phenomenal, I think. And um, yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I think Joe Schobert is a guy that is really, really going to help this team. And like you said, we see the comments. We might not reply to them. Or we might not say nothing about him, but we see the comments. But, you know, if if you're just dismissing Joe Schobert because he played for the Cleveland Browns, you just haven't watched enough football outside of Jacksonville because he was a guy when you turn on the film of the Cleveland Browns, you couldn't help but see him around the ball all the time. When I watch the Browns against the Steelers, I always see Joe Schobert in the picture. When I watch the Browns, even when they played us, you know, I saw Joe Schobert often around the ball. So, you know, it's, it's little things like that, that, you know, people <laughs> say it's like, really, you know, did you, did you really watch anything on this guy? You know, are you really going to dismiss him because he played for the Cleveland Browns? But Hey, you know, that's neither here or neither there, but expecting good things from Joe Schobert 
Um, and I can't wait to see uh, what him and Miles Jack look like in the middle. Absolutely. Well said, Jay. So moving on to the next one here. So who is the who is the player that is most likely to take a big leap forward in 2020? Jay, who you got for your pick here? Um, I contemplated going with Dewan Smoot, but I went with uh, Taven Bryan. And, you know, I, I think the thing about Taven Bryan is it's possible, like I said, if they truly move to a 3-4. Uh, you know, Taven Bryan might not exactly light up the stat sheets, uh, but I'm saying this solely based on what I saw from Taven last year. You know, a lot of people discount what he did last year. And I think, like, a lot of people are also overlooking what he did last year. And, like, again, I'm not saying he went out there and balled out on a Pro Bowl level, but there were flashes there. And there were things that you see on film that you just certainly can't ignore. Just like people can't ignore the fact that Gardner Minshew went out there and won six games and the things that he flashed. You know, you would be wrong to dismiss what we saw out of Taven Bryan. It was a string of games. I think it was like week four, five, and six, you know, somewhere around there last year where Taven Bryan was often in the backfield. You know, he was a guy that was making plays in the backfield. And that stood out to me. And, you know, you know, he kind of fell off a little bit after that. But when when you're in a position like Taven Bryan where you're you're seeing a lot of snaps one game and then the next game you're not seeing snaps, it's kind of hard to find your rhythm in his defense. So, you know, I, I, I'll give that to him. You know, like for for the situation he's been put in, you know, he, he hasn't, been exactly given enough snaps at times to continue his success. And I think that was kind of the case last year. But then, you know, you see uh, the last game, how he finished after putting together that string of games that I just mentioned, uh, you know, like I said, week four, five and six, I think it was in the end of the season, Taylor Bryant comes out and puts some quality reps together against a pretty good Colts offensive line. And most notably, Quentin Nelson, like and Quentin Nelson is a a pro bowler, all pro, two-time all pro, if I'm not mistaken. And, and Quentin Nelson is a guy that is no joke, man. Like Quentin Nelson is one of those guys that, you know, when people were like, oh, why did the Colts take him in the top 10? Who takes a guard in the top 10? I was like, uh, well, if it was ever a guard to take in the top 10, Quentin Nelson was that person. Absolutely surefire, no doubt. And he's a bona fide stud and will be for, for many, many years. So, you know, it's things like that that I see that make me confident that Taven can, can, uh, you know, be that guy or, or be what, you know, people wanted to out of a late first round pick, so to speak. I know, you know, me and me and Phil have been the harshest critics on this. You know, they did pass up Lamar Jackson for him, but that doesn't mean that Taven Bryant can't be a good player that the Jaguars hold on to for many, many years. And, you know, he could probably, he might feel at home even more so now, you know, if they do utilize the three, four, like, you know, they're saying they will, because, you know, he came from a three, four background at Florida. That's what got him recognized. That's what made him a late first round pick. That's what people saw in Taven Bryant, aside from the Jacksonville Jaguars. A lot of people saw potential in Taven Bryant, um, not necessarily as an immediate starter, which the Jaguars didn't either, but people saw potential in the in Taven Bryant just as well as the Jags did. But I guess the Jags kind of beat everybody else to the point uh, to the punch. But nonetheless, you know, he could feel right at home more so in a three, four defense. And again, you might not see it like on the stat sheets or whatever, but he's a guy uh, that I think could take the biggest leap going forward. Yeah, Jay, that uh, Taven Bryant's definitely taken some shots from us over the last year or so. And, and that's not his fault. It really isn't his fault. Now, for whatever reason, the team, of course, at that time, believed in Blake Bortles and and we had it in our heads that they were going to take Lamar Jackson if he was there and even though there was no evidence to support that claim we ran with it and I, I still remember being in Dallas with our buddy Josh and just the sheer disappointment of hearing the name Taven Bryan who was the last name take take the last person I thought the Jaguars were going to select at that pick Taven Bryan was still behind that guy. Okay. That's how far down the list Taven Bryan was as far as thinking that he would be a Jaguar. However, he's had a couple of years now to be in the team. He's had the opportunity to learn from guys like Calais Campbell, Yannick Ngakwe, you know, whether or not they, you know, Yann's relationship here, of course, with the team was affected in any way. Not sure. 
but he's been able to learn from really, really great players and be part of a defense. Uh, even, um, even uh, what, what's the name of the uh, Marcel, Marcel Darius, you know, able to learn from him. That's valuable information. And for them, like you said, moving them, moving in the direction of this three, four, I think will help him a lot more uh, as far as uh, his development. And I, I'm, I almost picked Taven Bryan as well. I just didn't want us to have too many similar, uh, similar selections here, but I could definitely see Taven Bryan making a big step. And, and he flashed quite a few times last year. They were, and I remember, almost all those times because we would text each other immediately. Did you see Taven? <laughs> did, you, did you see Taven just do that? That happened a lot last year and it started happening consistently. So I, I definitely agree with you. And there's people out there on Jaguar Twitter and Jaguar social media that feel the same way. So I definitely hope it works out for him because he definitely received a raw deal. And I think he knows that, but he's also just kept his head down and just played football. And that's, that's good for him. And, and uh, hopefully he, he, he was able to be successful going forward. So yeah, I want to say something too real quick, Phil, is, you know, just because they should have took Lamar Jackson, who's probably going to be a franchise quarterback for many, many years over Taven Bryan, that doesn't mean that Taven Bryan isn't going to be a good serviceable player for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think that's what people are missing. And, and by the way, man, like, look, as mad as me and Phil were that they didn't get Lamar Jackson and they got Taven Bryan, I'll say this, like a lot of the people that were harping on Lamar Jackson not being a pure passer or not being a pure quarterback, they're the ones now saying we should have took him over Taven Bryant. So it's like, y'all make up your minds, like really. But, you know, that's what comes with the job, man, is like when you're wrong about somebody, me personally, I have no problem with admitting that. And not not to say that Taven Bryant has necessarily so quote unquote, pull, uh, prove me wrong yet, because, you know, he still has a lot of growing to do and a lot of developing to do. And, you know, he has to flash a lot more consistently. But again, I can admit, like, you know, it was just times where he wasn't on the field enough to to be consistent, you know, and what we did saw that was alarming. Like, I'm not going to ignore that because, you know, I want Lamar Jackson over him uh, because at the end of the day, if Taven Bryant still you know, pans out to be a good player. That's still good for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, that's I think that's what people should want. That's what the fans should want. Yeah, we missed on Lamar. So you should be hoping Taven Bryan is working on being the next J.J. Watt or whatever the case may be uh, to somewhat justify that. 100%, Jay. It doesn't make any sense for us to root against guys. And we're certainly not rooting against Taven Bryan even though, you know, of course, we wanted to see the team go in a different direction. But as we mentioned, you know, hopefully he's able to put some together. And and I think he definitely has an opportunity to do that this year. For me, I went with Trey Herndon. He is a guy that got a lot of criticism early on, of course, with everything going on with Jalen Ramsey. He was just thrust into this position, Jay, that he probably wasn't expecting. Now, again, he's had the opportunity to learn from behind guys like Jalen Ramsey, like A.J. Boye. Now, of course, we don't we hope that he didn't uh, adopt any of the personal traits that Jalen has some of those traits that Jalen has but as far as on the field I mean you couldn't really ask for two better guys than AJ and Jalen to learn from and he's had that opportunity he definitely made leaps and strides as the season went on now the statistics of course aren't going to be anything that that jump off of the board he did finish the season with three interceptions he also had that game against the Jets where he had two of them in, in one game now of course the Jets were a little bit a little bit of a of a dumpster fire last year as well. However, I mean, he, he still had a, had a big game there. And again, you know, he went up against some, some top notch competition as far as who he was, you know, playing up against with AJ on his other side. Now, of course the, the hope is that CJ Henderson develops into, into a guy like a Jalen Ramsey, like a AJ Boye, you know, you hope that he has a career like that. And the only person, and one of the biggest uh, guys that may benefit from that is Trey Herndon. So Jay, I don't necessarily have as far as, wasn't able to, you know, I haven't watched too much like, you know, film back on Trey Herndon. However, what I was able to see is a guy that got better as the season went on and is just really, really working on his craft. So what do you think? Do you think Trey Herndon is a viable candidate for a guy that's able to take big leaps and bounds for the team this year? Yeah, I do. And, um, you know, I think somebody who really is cheering for, uh, for Trey Herndon is Tony Khan, who does the he makes the decisions on bringing on the bringing in the undrafted guys and doing the analytics on those guys. And I'm sure he does analytics on other stuff, too. Um, I mean, like, I think his job is kind of at this point, it's kind of just unclear and hard to predict. No offense, Tony. But I know that's like one thing that he does do for sure and takes pride in. And Trey Herner was one of the guys that came up 
on the analytical side of things that flashed for them as an undrafted guy and a guy that the analytics pointed them to when he was in college. So, you know, I think like he could be, he could definitely be a guy that takes a leap this year. And the reason for that is because you look at the Jaguars and I talked about this in a a prior um, article, but you look at the Jaguars history with undrafted players and they have a more fortunate history than most, most other teams I would say do in that category. Now, look, yeah, in terms of draft selections, they've missed on first round picks. They've not kept the elite ones that they've needed. But one thing we cannot say is that the Jacksonville Jaguars haven't been able to bring in undrafted players that end up being starters and very good players. Alan Hearns is one of them. Um, you know, Trey Herndon, again, that's one of them. Um, uh, Gerard Wilson, he's currently starting for us. You know, you can argue that he's a serviceable player. And it's been it's been several others in the past that's just escaping my name. Alan Lazard. Uh, that's escaping my mind right now, albeit he's with another team. But the Jacksonville Jaguars were the ones that saw the potential in Alan Lazard, put the money necessary into getting him and brought him in. And I just, oh, man, how I wish they would have been able to keep him. But, hey, we got a new Alan Lazard. Now we got Colin Johnson. I know Phil's happy about that. So uh, I guess it kind of works. (laughs) I guess it'll work out if Colin Johnson is what we think he can be. Uh, potentially. But uh, yeah, yeah. You look at their undrafted history, man. And yeah, I, I think, you know, that in a way bodes well for uh, Trey Herndon. And, you know, I think the future could be bright for him. I, I think, you know, he probably can settle in at cornerback position and it'll be uh, him and CJ. So Herndon and CJ, or should I say Herndon and Henderson sounds like a law firm or something like that. Uh, but Herndon and Henderson will be the pair at least for, I think at least for the next two to three years. Have you been abused by quarterbacks in the AFC South? Herndon and Henderson can help you with that. It writes itself, Jay. It really does. <laughs> I, you know, I, I probably shouldn't have said nothing because somebody's going to take our idea, but we probably should get some shirts made now. <laughs> yeah, the law firm of Herndon, Herndon and Henderson actually would be a great T-shirt, along with the 40 gang T-shirts that we need to make as well. So uh, that is a um, that is a legally binding uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, statement here here at the you believe in the jaguars podcast if you steal that idea we will sue so we will move on to the very last um <laughs> very last one here jay and that is who do we feel is on a prove it year so uh, basically that's uh that's saying who who has the most to prove heading into the new season so jay this is the final topic and uh we'll wrap up here in just a moment but who you got for this spot here uh yeah it was a a few players that came to mind uh, Ronnie Harrison was one. Cam Robinson was one. But um, I ultimately went with Gardner Minshew. And I mean, essentially, I mean, this is the epitome of what you would call a prove it year. You know, here you are. You, you have a team that like what they saw out of you last year. And they're giving you this year to basically go out there and say you're the guy. They they eliminated all of the distractions. Uh, I guess you could say that was Nick Foles. And they added to the offense, albeit some people will say, hey, they didn't get uh, offensive lineman, this, that, and the other. You know, the, the Jaguars kind of have a case, although I could argue that they should have gotten more than Ben Barch, and that's no offense to Ben Barch. I think Ben Barch is going to be very good, by the way. But, you know, you could argue that they could have added some more to that offensive line. But at the same time, look, they've in, they have invested a lot into the offensive line. You know, they they have invested, uh, invested second-round picks in Cam Robinson, and uh, Juwan Taylor, and they have invested a lot of money into Brandon Linder and Andrew Norwell and and AJ Can. So it's not like they've abandoned it in the past. They just abandoned it in the present. So I say all of that to say this, um, you know, they added LaVisca Chenault, they added Colin Johnson. And when you put those two young men into this equation, they kind of fit together like a jigsaw in the sense of when you put them together with the veterans that's already in place, they can make for a very, very dangerous receiving core. Now, you know, LaVisca is your guy that could do your dirty work uh, that you could pair on the outside alongside DJ Chark. Now, I, I do think that they won't immediately put LaVisca on the outside as a starter, and that'll be Chris Conley there because Chris Conley is, is a veteran and so on and so forth. But I wouldn't be shocked if LaVisca works his way into starting on the outside with Chark. Uh, but that's neither here or neither there. But you got those two on the outside as well as Chris Conley. 
DJ Chark is a guy that is a, you know, he got the Pro Bowl nod. And again, you could take Pro Bowls for what it's worth. But again, he's one of those guys that definitely earned his nod. And he's a guy that is like Phil said of Pro Bowl caliber when you look at his skill set and, and what he can do. So there's that. Then you got Didi who can now move into the slot. I mean, not that he wasn't playing in the slot, but, you know, he can more so focus on the slot now. And, I mean, LaVisca can do some things in the slot too. I mean, like he was Mr. Do-It-All over there in Colorado as well. So you just got this mixture of talent for Gardner Minshew that should definitely help him take a next step, you know, albeit if that offensive line protects him and they take the step that the front office believes he can take. Um, I think this offense could be clicking. And, you know, I think Jay Gruden can really help him as well. Jay Gruden has proven. And that's that's one of the reasons why I say go into this thing open with Gardner Minshew. Jay Gruden can really, really help their young man's career because he did it for Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton went to a Pro Bowl under Jay Gruden. And so did um, uh, A.J. Green. And we're talking about, if I can recall, they they went to the Pro Bowl as rookies. At least I know A.J. Green did, and he went to the Pro Bowl at least once or twice after that with Jay Gruden as well. So obviously Gruden knows how to coach him in terms of young players. And they, I think, you know, that's something that could help Gardner Minshew as well. So, you know, while he is on a prove-it year, I do think enough was done, so people will argue. And I already see it now. People are going to say, well, they didn't have the offensive line and this, that, and the other. They did make enough in terms of improvements around Gardner Minshew for him to flourish. And I'm really excited to see him in terms of the end of this season, which we talked on before, because he's going to face some elite defenses. I think he's going to face like three or four top nine defenses. And I really hope this offense is healthy so we can get a fair reading on Gardner Minshew and we can make the call on whether or not he's a guy or not that we can move forward with and uh, make the call or not whether we need to start looking at the quarterbacks in next year's draft or perhaps say, um, you know, a, a veteran, uh, which, you know, we've been down that road before with Nick Foles. But, you know, it, it was one guy we have mentioned here on the Jaguars wire and on the Believe in Jags podcast and Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, we don't think he'll make, he'll be a free agent or he'll be a guy that I guess I should say, we don't think he'll be a guy that would come to Jacksonville, but look, I never thought Tom Brady would be playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers either. So you just never know in this league, but um, I digress from my point, man. I, I think, you know, this is a proven year for Gardner Minshew and um, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if he proved, his doubt is wrong, and I wouldn't be shocked if, again, like me and Phil said, uh, he fell flat on his face. Again, I'm going into this thing open. 100%, and there's not really much I have to add on uh, because, of course, I already listed Gardner Minshew and then the reasons why I feel like maybe he might not have the season that we hope that he's going to have. But as far as a prove year, yeah, he he fits all that criteria. And as far as the guy that I picked, it's going to be one of those new weapons that we were bringing in. And that's Tyler Eifert, you know, not necessarily the name we were probably thinking of when we heard that they were looking to bring in a veteran tight end. And Jay, this team has been looking for an identity at tight end for so long. Of course, we had Mercedes Lewis here for the longest time, Kyle Brady, of course, back in the 90s. But, you know, uh, Tyler Eifert has the opportunity now if, if he can stay healthy. Now, he did play all 16 games last year for the first time in his career and amassed, you know, pretty underwhelming numbers, albeit on a very, very bad Cincinnati Bengals team. They didn't pick number one for for, for no reason. Um, but back in 2015, of course, he was a pro bowler, 52 catches, 615 yards, and 13 touchdowns, which shows to me that, you know, he was a, a big red, red zone threat. And that's what we need. You know, when you bring in a guy like Tyler Eifert, you have, of course, a guy, a big guy like Colin Johnson, who you're going to have to be hopefully be able to go up and get passes. LaVisca Chenault is going to be very, very impactful when it comes to the red zone. And of course, DJ Chark showed that he was able to do that as well. And Chris Conley, they, he had a very good year as far as catching passes and catching touchdowns as well. So Tyler, I think has the opportunity to come in here. Of course, Josh Oliver is still unproven and he's dealing with his own injury issues as well. So we'll see what happens with him. But I think Tyler Eifert has the opportunity to come in, reestablish himself as a, not elite tight end, but a, a good tight end. He has that opportunity here. And I think he also wants to show people that he can stay healthy because he just has not been healthy over the last few years here, Jay. And I'm, I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic about what Tyler Eifer can maybe bring to this offense because it did seem like Gardner Minshew really enjoyed throwing to tight ends. And Tyler Eifer, when healthy, is a above average to very good tight end, I believe. 
Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree with you on, on Tyler Eifert. And, you know, the thing is, like you said, while his stats were underwhelming, 43 catches for uh, 436 yards and three touchdowns last year, I did some research. I actually wrote about this yesterday in the tight ends preview. Uh, that total, as underwhelming as it was, would have been the most that the Jaguars would have had at the tight end position had he been playing for them in four seasons. So I think the last guy was Julius Thomas who registered like 450 or somewhere in that ballpark in the, in the upper four hundreds. So that being said, you know, those figures he put up alone, you know, makes a significant impact on this team, especially for a guy, like you said, in Gardner Minshew who utilized the tight end uh, position very well. And last year was James O'Shaughnessy before he got hurt. He had James O'Shaughnessy looking like a straight up star out there. And you could tell he missed him too when James O'Shaughnessy tore his ACL. Uh, those, I mean, you look at the Jaguars charting, it was a lack of, um, I guess you could say, lack of throws to the middle. And I mean, that you, that's understandable. And that's another reason why, you know, I think Gardner Mitchell could improve is because now he has threats in the middle as well. Like people forget that. He didn't have that guy in the middle because, like I said, all of his tight ends basically went down. And and another guy that he bu- uh, he built the great bond with was uh, Josh Oliver in the training camp phase. And I think people missed that, too, because nobody ever saw Josh Oliver really on the field. But, I mean, he got, what, three catches for 15 yards in the regular season. But nobody really saw Josh Oliver on the field like that. But the thing is, like, everything you heard coming out of training camp last year, was well not necessarily everything but a lot of things you heard was oh man Gardner Minshew really likes uh you know the tight ends he really likes specifically Josh Oliver and that was taken away from him uh before he can even hit the field and you know like who knows man like maybe we would have seen flashes out of Gardner in the preseason even before the regular season had he had Josh Oliver to go out there with him but you know Josh Oliver had the hammy issues and and what have you so you know maybe Gardner Minshew looks like a bona fide guy before we even get to week one and it's controversy from that standpoint but you know we'll never know you know that's neither here neither there either but uh yeah I agree with you um Tyler Eifert is a guy that could really help him out and he again he knows the offense better than anybody on his team Although he has admitted, you know, some of the things, you know, have changed. The verbiage has changed. And, uh, you know, there have been some additions to Jay Gruden's offense. But for the most part, he's the guy that, you know, they're probably going to be asking, like, hey, what do I do here, there, and uh, everywhere, as well as Chris Tompkins uh, or Thompson, should I say. So, um, yeah, going forward, I'll be watching Tyler Eifert as well. And I wouldn't be really shocked if Eifert could at least match those numbers from last year and it makes a significant impact. Yeah, and another guy, just like Chris Thompson, we're rooting for. You know, we hope that he's able to put it together and make an impact down here in, in Jacksonville and be a part of a tandem, you know, with Josh Oliver. That it does nothing but help as far as, you know, having, you know, multiple as many weapons as possible to help your young quarterback. So um that's that wraps it up here, Jay. Uh, this ran a little bit longer than, you know, we normally go. However, we, you know, we just uh found some a good opportunity for content and ran with it. So thanks again you know, to Jaguars Twitter for helping us get through these times. And, you know, we're where, you know, even though there's not a whole lot to do, we're still going to keep bringing you the best content out there in the podcast world. So, Jay, we're going to get out of here shortly. Before we do that, let people know what they have to uh, to look forward to as far as the podcast, you know, as far as guests and interviews we may have coming up and as well as the website as well at the Jaguars Wire. Yeah, man, we we got um a bunch coming up. I've put together, like I said, and I've been saying it's the last three podcasts, but I have put together a guest list and I have started reaching out to those certain guests. Uh, hopefully we'll have one on next week. Um, I don't want to say too much about it, uh, but yeah, we'll have a guest on next week to talk about one of the draft picks that we got. I guess I'll, I'll throw that hint out there. Um, hopefully we'll see if all goes well, you know, and uh, we'll be looking to link up with uh, Nick probably at the end of the week um, and finish up our evaluations on the rookies as well. We want to finish that up. You know, we don't want to have an incomplete series here uh, on the Believe in Jazz podcast as all of you all have been very receptive again and you guys have been giving us reviews and you guys have been giving us listens and we're very appreciative of it and we want to keep bringing you all the best content available in terms of the Jaguars wire. I'm going to keep doing my previews, my depth chart predictions um, you know, I'll try and do them daily. And if not daily, I'll just do some every other day. 
I've already done the quarterbacks, already done the tight ends, already done the running backs. We'll probably look at the offensive line next and then the receivers, and then it'll be on to the offense. And we'll also have tons and tons of more content. As we said earlier in the podcast, because the Jacksonville Jaguars will be reporting back partially, at least, to um, the facility on Tuesday. And, uh, you know, it'll be some news to come of that as well. So we'll be monitoring when the NFL is a full go, hopefully, you know, and like Phil said, you know, we just want everybody to be safe, most importantly, you know. So um, hopefully, you know, they get trending in the right direction there. And, you know, hopefully everybody can be safe in the process. And uh, yeah, man. Uh, that's pretty much all I got. So again, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review if you're enjoying the show, as well as following us on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can also find us, of course, on the Believe.com website, part of their awesome library, and at Believe Podcast. Again, you can find me on Twitter at PhilThePilipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. Jay is over there at sportsgrind underscore Don. We apologize for not being able to get to the questions that we had sent to us. However, as I mentioned, we did run a little long, so we are planning on actually covering that at the very top of next episode. So we're going to get to that. I promise you guys. Thank you. Keep those questions coming in. Follow the podcast on Twitter. I believe in Jags pod as well. We've gotten a lot of great inter- interaction from you guys over on Twitter. So thank you again so much. So, Again, this has been the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Phil Smith. That's James Johnson. We believe. Do you? We'll see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.